You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Josh Barker, and I'm joined today by former State Representative Eric Lloydhoiser. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks. We want to talk briefly tonight about some of the ballot initiatives that many have seen when voting today. Talk us through the process there. In addition to our elected officials, why are we voting on these laws or constitutional amendments? Right. Well, Michigan's kind of unique in that in our Constitution, we have a way for citizens to enact legislation that they feel the legislature itself was unable to get done. So over our history, since we were under our Constitution for several decades, we've had things over a number of issues. But the sense of it is really the citizens should be able to act when the legislature refuses to act. We have two ways of doing that. One, the legislature can put a ballot proposal on the ballot simply by passing with a simple majority the language to put on the ballot and saying, this is complicated, we want people to be able to vote on this themselves, almost like a referendum. Uh, We've done that over the years with sales tax and some other things. And this year, we have a ballot proposal to do that, which would change term limits in Michigan from the shortest in the country to kind of a hybrid where you could serve a longer number of years in the legislature, but a combined total of 14 in the House and or Senate but no more than 12. Currently, the typical state rep serves six years like I did, or some go on and serve another four to eight years in the Senate. So some people can serve as much as 14. A majority of people are six and out like I am. Some serve longer. Coupled with that is a new disclosure piece, which would require people running for office to list their assets and liabilities, compensation, and so forth. And for that reason, I'm a little bit suspicious. I think the term limits should be lengthened, but I'm a little suspicious that you're going to uh, maybe scare off some qualified people who don't want to have everybody up in their business for a job that is certainly above the medium pay in the district, but it's not like being president. So we'll see how that goes. The other way the proposals can get on the ballot is by having petitions circulated. And when this was envisioned, I'm sure they didn't expect to have paid circulators in college towns or areas of high population collecting these signatures is supposed to be rather time-consuming, kind of a high bar. It's got to be kind of a low bar. And now we have out-of-state money paying for these proposals to be put on our ballot. And the thing that's critical uh, for your listeners to know is that once one of these gets into the Constitution, it takes a three-quarter majority of the legislature to get them out. So think about you're making something in the, you know, you're making cookies and all of a sudden something really bad drops into the batter, the cookie batter, easy to fall into the batter, hard to get it back out of the batter. That's why these proposals two and three in particular, I think, are very problematic. A proposal three is the most contentious of the ballot propositions tonight, abortion rights on the ballot, lots of advertisements and things. Uh, There's also a lot of confusion there, especially over what exactly it means, not only by voters, but then they're wondering how will the courts and the state Supreme Court interpret it? What do you think about Proposal 3, and particularly what's your interpretation of exactly what it would do? Well, what it would accomplish is it would allow pro-abortion forces to make Michigan the most abortion-friendly state in the country without having gone through the normal legislative process and by running what I would consider to be a very misleading and disingenuous campaign for it. If you want to know about something, look at how it's being advertised, and in this world, be as cynical as possible. You'll see advertisements for Proposition 3 talking about, here's this nice nurse that's going to lose her job just because of you know Proposition 3 failing in the big bad Supreme Court. On the contrary, there's never been any pro-life legislation that I'm aware of that has had a medical professional punished and go to jail for saving the life of a patient. So it's patently false. What I see is this is a contentious issue. I'm very much pro-life. 
but I understand it's a contentious issue. It's one of the reasons that in Michigan, since Roe v. Wade, we've had dozens of pro-life laws passed through the legislative process. What were considered to be reasonable restrictions, they were passed under Roe v. Wade, so they, they passed that test. And what this process would do is it would wipe away all those pro-life restrictions simply through this citizen's referendum, if you would, without any debate, without any full understanding, without most people knowing anything about what the proposal does. Now, in the case of Proposition 3, I think the, the people against Proposition 3 have done a good job of educating people. There's been organized opposition uh, because it is such a terrifically important issue. Been mobilization of the religious groups, the Catholic Church, all the right to life, you know, affiliates and so forth. So I think they've done a good job explaining why this would be a radical, radical expansion of abortion rights. It goes way beyond restoring Roe versus Wade, which is the false claim. It goes way beyond anything we've seen really in any day. It would put us on the spectrum from most restrictive on abortion to most lenient on abortion. It would put us in the company of North Korea and uh, communist China. It would put us nowhere near the median of developed countries. It would put us nowhere near where most of Europe is. And I don't think the people of Michigan intend for the state of Michigan to be known worldwide as the most lenient place and the most pro-abortion place in the world. I just don't think you have any idea. And I think the people that pushed Proposal 3 know that that would never fly if it had an honest debate. So they're trying to do it through this disingenuous ad campaign showing people you know, purported to be doctors saying they're afraid of going to jail. Now, if Proposal 3 passes, since there is this debate, if some people who voted today thinking it's just codifying Roe and then find out as the courts interpret the proposal, actually the legislature can't limit abortion up till birth. Actually, it takes away the ability to give parents a say or for the attorney general uh, to even enforce parental notification laws. If something like that were to happen, as the opponents of the proposal suggest, so what? what is the recourse? I mean, are you stuck with that or just another ballot proposal for next time? Or would you have to meet that uh, three-fourths threshold that you mentioned in the legislature? Well, that's a great question. I, I think there would be buyer's remorse. And the, the three things you just mentioned are, are likely. First of all, endless litigation, right? Uh, and number two would be the legislature could take it up and try to pass a, a repeal of this and replace it with something else. But that would require three-quarters of the legislature. And I can tell you, having served there, that in today's Democratic Party, there's really no room for anybody who strays off from the 100% pro-choice, pro-abortion position. Governor Whitmer has famously tweeted, I think now she's up to 20 or 30 times that she's going to fight like hell to get Prop 3 passed. So, you know, so that is now sort of the standard canon law in the Democratic Party. And in a 50-50 state, it's going to be tough to find half of the Democrats to break from that that would vote to legislatively change it which takes us back to another ballot proposal in the future, perhaps something that the majority of people would say, yeah, this thing went way too far. Let's go back to something that's more in line with a normal country, a normal state, a country that respects life and understands that this is not 1970s. We have ultrasounds. We know that it's not a blob of tissue. We know that it's a baby. Let's have a real conversation about this and have a ballot proposal that we can get behind. You know, I hope it doesn't come to that, but if it does, I think the ballot proposal is the most likely solution to it. Now, as you're mentioning the legislature, as we wrap up, I, I want to ask about that. The University of Virginia's Center for Politics ranks both houses of the legislature as a toss-up. Fox ran a piece last week suggesting that the legislature might flip. What are your predictions? What exactly do you think will happen with the state legislature? 
I feel better about the House staying Republican than I do about the Senate. You know, it's a little it's hard to understand how the Senate's going to break because of all the redistricting and the dramatic changes in the lines. We've got longstanding districts and the, and the whole suburban issue up for grabs in the Senate, how they're combining the population areas. But in the House, you know, we are the House that is closest to the people. Each representative represents about 90,000 people and uh, the people know us. We know them. People are pretty fired up about what has been the mismanagement from the top down, either by Governor Whitmer or by President Biden. And uh, they're getting engaged at the local level. You talk about this could be kind of the school board revolution across the country where people are saying during COVID that there was such malfeasance. We've got to take this under our advisement. And I think if you put this as a referendum on the national policies, which were adopted by Governor Whitmer, through the state, they're going to say, we can't afford to have another two years of democratic control crammed down authoritarian type policies. And they're going to, I think, use the House as sort of a bulwark to stop that. I would like to think the Senate would go the same way, but I'm very optimistic about the House. Again, people know us and they know that we're going to uh, be a check on the power of the governor. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for joining us. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM live election night coverage. We'll be right back.